Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of History Dweeps. My name is Tim. The... Um, Topic of our podcast today is the murder of Mia Zapata. Mia Zapata was a singer for a punk rock band on the verge of superstardom back in the 90s when she was tragically murdered. And we're going to talk about uh, Mia and her life and uh, her untimely demise. We first, though, would like to dedicate this um, podcast to one of our listeners, Jairo. Um, Jairo started listening to our podcast about six months ago, um, he was an active member of our Facebook group. Uh, he was a kind guy, a gentle guy, um, very funny, very sweet. And unfortunately, this week he had a tragic accident and he uh, passed away. So we want to dedicate this episode to him. We have established, uh, Dominique has established a GoFundMe page. Hiro uh, left behind a, a wife. He just been married a short time and a beautiful young daughter um, so our um, thoughts are with them but Dominique has um, set up a GoFundMe page to help um, with the uh, funeral expenses so we ask that all of you if you would um, go to our Facebook page History Dweaves or our Facebook group History Dweaves the podcast there's a link there to the GoFundMe page if you would be so kind, if you can give anything at all. Um, it would mean the world to his family and to us. So um, we would thank you for that. So, Hiro, this uh, episode is for you. I'd like to introduce now a um, member of our uh, panel, the very lovely, may need to get you a better introduction, uh, but lovely is for right now. Uh, Dominique, how are you today, Dominique? Oh, I'm not so good, Timmy. What's wrong, Dominique? Well, my Uncle Chuck has been very rude to me lately. Is that something new? It's not, but this time it cut pretty deep. Why? What did he do? Well, I asked my Uncle Chuck if he had noticed that I've lost some weight because I'm working on losing the last few baby pounds, about mm -hmm. 10 or 15 to go. And yes. uh, he told me he had noticed and I said, well, next time you notice, you should, uh, you should tell me because, you know, it's nice to hear. And he said, well, I can't do that. And I said, why? And he said, well, you have very few things to compliment. And I have to um, 
I have to pass them. <laughs> I have to spread them around. <laughs> I have to use them slowly. <laughs> and it kind of hurt my feelings, Timmy. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, he's a dick. <laughs> so just so all of you ladies out there who are sending these messages on all uh, all angles of the spectrum to my uncle about how wonderful he is in so many different ways just so you know he's actually a giant dick he doesn't have a giant dick he is a giant dick <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> is that all for dominique time okay we're done with dominique time okay let me introduce <clears throat> the um, third member of our panel uh, a man who is known uh, far and near as the most dangerous man in podcasting today, the moral, moral compass of our podcast, a man who is an oasis in the desert of despair, the very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm not good, Timmy. Not uh, good. Okay, what's wrong with you? Well, now think about what my week's been, Timmy. Uh, I try not to think about you at all. Let's see. But, what, Monday, little Ryan came. Yes, you have. That a, was a good thing. You have a um, granddaughter. Mm, she's a she's a little hawkhead. Okay, little You're baby a hawk. Grandpa. Yes, I'm a hawkpaw. Um, and then the next day was my twins' birthday. Yes. Happy and birthday, today, Taylor and Tanner is Mrs. Colonel's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to the lovely Renee. So that means every year I'm going to be completely screwed for three days in a row, Timmy. I'm sorry to hear that. but These people couldn't have spaced this out, been a little more considerate. Yeah, but you get them all over, out of the way at the same time. You can have one party for everybody. We're having a party this weekend. We're having a party this weekend. I'm, lo I'm thinking, I'm looking seriously into Jehovah Witnessism. I was really looking at but I I've checked my mail. I haven't seen any invitations. You are there. more than welcome. It's at my house. Thank you. But I don't go to parties. <laughs> we know you don't. When <laughs> people put on that one post, uh, who would, who do you want to have a drink with? I was going to put you because we ain't never gone out. <laughs> you know, nobody said me. It really, it made me sad. Oh. <laughs> I, well, I would have a drink with you if I had a drink with people, well, but I don't. That could be a... Uh, I think what, in five years, I've I've had invitations... Numerous invitations. How many times have I accepted, Colonel? Um, once. Yes. And I was probably stoned at that time or something. So is DweebCon going to be? No, I will, of course, be at DweebCon in October, but uh, I usually don't do uh, Will that, like, things. be your social yeah, fulfillment for the year? For six will months, because I was at CrimeCon. So that'll, yeah, twice a year is about good for me. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about um, the murder of Mia Zapata. And you say you're, you're a little bit familiar with this story, Dominic? I am, uh, mainly because I... So there's there's some overlap between uh, the lesbian community and kind of the grunge and punk gotcha. rock community. Gotcha. And I was a lesbian for 15 years. I during don't know the grunge know era? I, I, yeah, during okay. the grunge era. So and, you're you're, and you're still grungy. So go ahead with that. But okay. Such a <laughs> but it's, good. it's a good story and it, it's not you know one of our um the title is precious blood of course referring to precious blood being one of the songs of the gets which was the band that mia zapata uh sang for but um it's not one of our more uplifting stories but you know we'll try to make it entertaining right 
Sometimes we do stories. She got hacked. Didn't she get hacked and shit? No, no. no. Don't don't talk until we we go through the script because we have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) Because you don't read the script. No. I got the script three minutes before. Because there's no sense sending them to you beforehand because you don't read them. No, I've dedicated myself. I told Dominique I was going to read the scripts ahead of time so I knew what I was talking about, but you don't send them to me and I don't know what I'm talking about. I have told him that is something that's going to change. Thank you, Dominique. Dominique is joining the podcast as our business manager and promoter, and she'll be on the podcast from time to time, and uh, we appreciate that. If you can get him to read the scripts, that would be awesome. Uh, motherfucker ain't going to tell me what to do, but go ahead. <laughs> the talent. <laughs> I'm a star, goddammit. <laughs> Carol Lombard over there. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Greta Garbo of podcasting. <laughs> All right, Precious Blood, the murder of Mia Zapata. On July 7th, 1993, Colonel, the body of a young woman was discovered lying in the road near an open field on a dead-end street in the seedy, crime-ridden Seattle neighborhood, well-known for petty drug trafficking and prostitution, Dominique. Going to Seattle this fall, by the way. I am going to check out this, this, yeah. I really got into I, doing this research. I really got into their music. They were really, really good, and they were just on the verge of being signed by a major label. And tragedy struck. Anyway, wait, are you, you're going to go visit where she died? I'm going to visit. We're going to talk about um, the neighborhood that the she neighborhood was from, and the uh, club that she that they frequented. Got it. And called the Co- uh, Comet Tra- Tavern. So I'm going to check that out. I think I'm going to go to a Seahawks game. But anyway, enough about me. We got a comment right here in Northside, Timmy. We do. First, yeah. first place uh, Taylor's band ever played was yeah, a comment. Yeah, but I don't think the same place. Okay, move on. Thank Move you. ahead. All right, so on July 7th, 1993, the body of a young woman was discovered. The victim was had been uh, horrendously beaten, sexually assaulted, strangled with the drawstring of her sweatshirt. Um and she was abandoned to die. Only half-dressed, she was intentionally laid out in a grotesque uh, mock crucifixion pose with her ankles crossed and her arms stretched out at her sides. The victim was a young white female uh, who was not, at the time, carrying any identification. When authorities uh, learned of her identity, it sent shockwaves through the local punk and grunge music community in Seattle. The victim turned out to be 33-year-old Mia Zapata, the lead singer for a cutting-edge punk rock band known as The Gits, G-I-T-S. Seattle was the epicenter of rock and roll in the early 1990s, and The Gits were on the verge of superstardom. They were known for their fiery live performances. The Gits had released two highly acclaimed independent albums and was on the verge of signing with a major record label at the time. The future looked bright for the band, which formed seven years earlier in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Now, with the death of the lead singer, Mia Zapata, it all came to a tragic end. So let's talk about her life. Uh, Dominique. Mia Catherine Catherine Zapata was born in Louisville, Kentucky, not far from here. Louisville. Mm -hmm. On August 25th, 1965, Colonel to Donna and Richard Zapata in the upper middle class neighborhood of Douglas Hills. 
course, you're familiar with Douglas Hills. Code. I know Douglas Hills pretty well, Timmy. Yeah. yeah. Like the back of your hand. Like the back, yeah. Yeah. I'm a world traveler. Dominique's looking confused. I'm a world traveler. I'm just I've assuming if places. it's an upper class neighborhood that you're familiar because you've been banned from it. <laughs> Mia's parents were broadcasting executives <laughs> and were able to provide very comfortable lives, Colonel, for uh, um, Mia and her sister, Christian, and brother, Eric. We could have done this by ourselves, Tim. <laughs> Growing up, Mia developed a passion, Dominique, and an amazing aptitude for music, poetry, and art at an early age. Her parents supported her interests with open minds and loving hearts. You like that? And paint that picture there. Bob Ross is doing good there. Now come on, <laughs> keep keep it coming to me. Tiny little mistakes. <laughs> they paid for Mia to take music lessons at, starting at an early age. She learned how to play the guitar and the piano by the age of nine. Damn. How long did it take you to learn to play the guitar or piano, Colonel? Um, I have not played the guitar to me because I'm left-handed and people confuse me with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Okay. But I, I can play the piano. I am known as the Liberace of the West Side, Timmy. <laughs> okay. You're dressed sort of like him today. <laughs> yeah. Pride Month was last month, girl. <laughs> no gay man would ever be caught dead in those pants. I got a nice pair of Hegar dress pants on. Yeah. They're lovely. Pleated. The Renee picked out for me. You have a lovely pink Ladies, shirt. Ladies, please tell the colonel pleated pants are not appropriate. I can, they're dress pants. I cannot wear flat front pants. My package is too big. They don't make them like this that. Is, that is not accurate. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sorry, Timmy. We were interrupting. That, that's okay. So, me learned to play the guitar and piano by age of nine. And she was influenced as well by uh, jazz, blues, and, and R&B singers such as Bessie Smith, Billie Holiday, Ray Charles, Hank Williams, and Sam Cooke. We did podcast on Hank Williams and Sam Cooke. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. I love Sam Cooke. By the age of... Another uh, Saturday night, and I ain't got nobody. Stop. Okay, go ahead. He was killed, you know, in a hotel room. He was? Yeah. By night clerk. No, by a woman. By a woman. By a woman. Okay, by the age of 11, Mia possessed a strong, expressive uh, singing voice. Have you ever, you've heard her, uh, Dominique? I have. She sounds, I mean, and see if you agree, she sounds like, she really sounds like she has a Stevie Nicks kind of quality to her mm, voice. Mm -hmm. I would of, agree with that. Yeah. Um, as, unique. Yes, unique. She's very unique. As many uh, creative and talent minds... She was somewhat sensitive and shy, but also uh, very opinionated, and um, when questioned, was not afraid to defend her convictions. Someone like some of the women that we have on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Mia. Yeah, love defending shit. Compliment received and accepted. <laughs> Mia and her siblings had a very happy childhood, Chuck. Although her parents would eventually divorce, they worked together to make parenting work, uh, even if the marriage did not. So they separated, and he moves, uh, her father moves to, uh, out to the Northwest, uh, close to Seattle, but he still, you know, was took an active part in their lives, and he visited the kids often and all that. Um, 
Mia was described as somewhat of a loner in school, and but um, she had some like she had her own little group that she hung out with, but um, they were more the unpopular kids. She avoided cliques, unlike you. None of the popular kids ever grow up to be great rock stars. Yeah. No, the or, popular kids are dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she'd. Um, she avoided cliques, and she was not into social climbing or anything like that. She was um, a lively spirit, though. Because of her long, lanky, knock-kneed legs, she acquired the nickname Chicken Legs, Dominique. You know how nice that is, but that's what they called her. Much like my son. He has <laughs> chicken legs. God, that kid. Uh, she becomes sort of... Uh, this made her more of a recluse when kids started calling her chicken legs, but pretty pretty girl later on. That's not very nice. Yeah. Preferring to keep most, most of her thoughts private, she would often sit for long spells deep in thought and uh, appearing withdrawn. Okay. She had few friends and schoolmates uh, that she would call, um, that would later recall that even outside the classroom, she was happy to sit alone while sketching, painting, listening to music, reading a book, or composing poetry. So she was, you know, she was happy by herself, like me. Music being. <laughs> except, <laughs> except she had eyebrows. Yeah. She, she was a rock to me, she, she was an island. Okay. <laughs> Music being one of her strongest interests, uh, she was especially uh, fond of strong, soulful female voices such as Bessie Smith, Janis Joplin, and Billie Holiday. She had a little Janis Joplin in her voice as well. Except for her sister and a few close companions, Mia often kept to herself and wasn't one to offer her opinion or trust strangers blindly. Uh, but she had a warm smile, um, very uh, that drew people in, especially people who had uh, who were art- artistic and had interest in music. Is your point that she was an artistic introvert? Yes. That's what I'm getting here. Good, you're picking up on it. Okay, oh, okay. these you common bonds. You yeah. painted the she, whole goddamn Sistine <laughs> Chapel to get to that one. <laughs> these common bonds served, served as a catalyst the beginning of many of her friendships and acquaintances, most of whom were artists in one respect or, or another. After graduating in 1984 from the Presentation Academy, an all-girl college prep school in Louisville, she enrolled at Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio, which is not far from here. I went there. You did? I did. Okay. You went to Antioch College? I, I did go to Antioch College. I did not college. know that. I went there for, like most people, I went there for a year. Fun fact, when I went there. They it's a beautiful place. It is beautiful, but they had a black mold problem. Oh. And so they had to move everybody out on the front lawn. <laughs> and they put up these giant so tarps. And they had everybody. Now the school's thirty five thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and they had everybody sleeping under these tarps. When I went there, they also had a mouse problem that was so prevalent that I actually had a mouse run over my face 
in the middle of the night. You got moused. I got, I got moused. You got teabagged by a mouse. And for $35,000 a year, I was not impressed. Anyhow, it, it was a very interesting place to go to school. It has a very good re- reputation. Well, it do, and, and they've done a lot to, you know, they they closed and they've since reopened um and i i have nothing but love for that school but it was it was very um it was a very interesting place to go yeah but i mean with the mold and the rats you're making it sound like it's not very prestigious and actually it is it, it is the problem is that there were certain things that they put a lot of attention into like they were the first to have a sexual offense prevention policy. Very progressive. Very progressive right. school, and mm-hmm. and then there were certain things like complaints about the rats that they. Uh, well, and no, it wasn't. It wasn't the administration. The problem was the students, because then you'd have the students who were like, "Well, the, we can live amongst the mice. They're just mice." And then <laughs> you had people like me who were like, "No, I I don't well, live with mice." Well, I, you know, what do you have against my, mice? I mean, it seems to me, coming from a liberal progressive college, that you'd be uh, pro mice. Pro mice, yeah, you'd be one of those PETA people wanting to not lock them up and shit. I, yeah. So, don't for do the record, I have a have a heart trap in mm-hmm. my home. If I ever catch a mouse, I bring it thirty miles away because that's the distance you need to bring a mouse, and I release them into the wild. I do not ever kill him out who is touching me under the table stop rubbing my my shins you're my uncle just get back with your story i was stretching my legs (laughs) anyway no yeah i don't know i have have a cat (laughs) you know what kind of trap i got trap and shoot the motherfucker that's what i got trap you know let the little beady-eyed son of a bitch look up at you Give him some time to say his last words and his prayers hey, and put one behind his goddamn ear. Speaking of, did you kill that family of possums under your porch yet? Um, I will just say I do not have a family of possums under my porch. That's so. why they need you on that wall. <laughs> did, yeah. did you kill them? There was a family of possums on my porch. Um under your porch under, doing under my doing deck absolutely i'm sorry nothing under my deck. to you the, uh they was threatening the dog there was a clear and present danger <laughs> don't um, don't don't use legal terms that you don't understand <laughs> there were clear and present danger to my uh my trusty companion and my best friend rudy yeah, you read that in john Grosham novel yeah and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> right there was there there was one particular possum that was made an example of, and the others decided to relocate. Are you sure you really killed him, or did he just play possum? <laughs> did you kill the mom or one of the babies? Uh, does it matter really? I just want to know how wretched you are. I don't. I did not flip the thing over to inspect and see if it had a vagina or a penis. I don't know what a <laughs> possum penis looks like, so I just ran a stick through the. They just lay there. And he you just, impaled it. Well, yeah, he was under my deck. I had to lift up a little board and it? impale his ass. Did you cook it? Because hmm? no. Granny Clampett used to cook possums. No, I did. I did a Guinness. Who was that guy? We did Guinness. Phineas. Phineas Gage or whatever. Yeah, that was a whole. I Phineas Gage his ass. Yeah. So you impaled one of the possums with a pitchfork. Yeah. You only you only have to impale one. The rest of them get the message. They do. They got the shit out of there. 
<laughs> All right, let's get back to me. It was a necessary evil. I'm really yeah. upset with you right now. Okay. So the first time, so she's at Antioch like College in Yellow Springs, Ohio, right? And for the first time, she was a living away from home. And although it took a while for her to adjust to new phases, new ideas, she became, she started to make new friends. And she found her way around the local venues that offered live entertainment. Did you go any clubs that offered live entertainment when you was you at know, Antioch? You know, I'll tell you about live entertainment. My second semester at Antioch, I lived on a a dorm floor that was, um, it was the naked floor. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, everyone thought it was appropriate outside of me to walk around naked. And at Antioch... They, they, you didn't have phones in your room. There was one pay you, phone. I just want to point out, you're answering a question that I did not ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking about music venues while you were at Antioch. You asked if I ever, no, you asked if I ever oh, experienced we re- live entertainment, and I was answering the question. Okay, but anyway, go on with your uh, story. Uh, okay, so there was a pay phone at the end of everyone's hall. Yes. And... That's the only way you could get phone calls. This is back before, I mean, it was right. rare for people to have a cell phone. So it was basically like you were like in the county and you were waiting for the yeah. yeah, and so there was one chair, like armchair, mm-hmm. and it was cloth, and it was next to the payphone, right. and it's that where bugs. you could sit if you got a phone call. Well, there was this girl who lived right next, her her room was right next to the payphone, so she would always answer it, and she was always naked, and she See, would, I wouldn't have minded that. Would you mind that, Chris? I would not have minded that. Yeah. I'll tell you why a, I minded she, it. Was she attractive? I, honest to God, I don't know, because I, uh, all I saw, it, I saw so much of her vagina, it was disturbed. I saw oh, yeah. more of her vagina and than I did, like, my girlfriends, and mm-hmm. she would straddle Nothing the arm than, of the chair. Yeah. Oh, no, you don't ride a, there. you don't ride a chair, bareback. So, the no. problem was... It leaves vagina residue. It needs snail trails all over the arm. The, yeah. Well, and everybody on this floor, men... It, this was a co-ed floor, and men and women were just walking around, sitting in this chair, buttoning... It was so disgusting. Like, who wants to... I, I, you you I, can't get a snail trail out of upholstery, Timmy. Yeah, That's it, it is pretty disgusting. I'm, yeah, you can steam do, it, you can scrub it. Do you, you can think do, men don't leave disgusting things on chairs? I wonder, I, I wonder if I could get accepted here. <laughs> you know what? How Actually, many, what I, other degree you gonna get, Timmy? There was somebody. <laughs> there something else there, you're gonna right? get your real estate license. <laughs> there now? was somebody who do? lived on my floor who didn't go to the school. Well, he, she, hell no! He, <laughs> Why he, would you? He lived there with his <laughs> girlfriend just a naked guy. and their dog. Their dog lived in the dorm room. It was so inappropriate. Well, uh, anyway. She got, uh, Mia got into the local music scene. Apparently you didn't. You were waiting on the phone. How, no, many, I, point, how many pointless stories are we going to let this girl go down? <laughs> we're, we're, getting, we're getting to the, the limit here. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so um, it was here that she discovered punk rock. And she was instant, instantly attracted to its energy, its brash attitude, and open honesty. In September of 1986, as a sophomore, Mia and her three friends formed the punk rock group The Gets. They're really good. I really suggest you check them out on YouTube. 
The band's name was inspired by a sketch from the Colonel's favorite television show, Monty Python's Flying Circus. I love Monty Python. I know. I know. You know, I like uh, Benny Hill. Remember Benny Hill? That little mm-hmm. boy-headed man? Yeah. yeah. And they always had people chasing him around at the yeah. end. Yeah. Band the uh, get the band was consisted of guitarist Andy Kessler, uh, bass player Matt Dresner, and drummer Steve Morality. 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 Moriarty. Moriarty. That's good. Good enough. Wasn't there an <laughs> actor named Michael Moriarty? Mm-hmm. He played in uh, Bang the Drum Slowly with uh, Robert De Niro. Did you ever see that baseball movie? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that'll make you cry. You should check that out, Dominic. You may, you may, may get in, help you get in touch with your feelings. Speaking of pointless stories. <laughs> may help you get in touch with your emotions like uh, brian's song did you ever see brian's song i don't have emotions yeah, Why? if you saw you, brian's song would well would it make her cry or yes it's the only it's one of the few movies um that is acceptable for men to cry at yeah but would it make dominique cry yeah oh, okay yeah you should check it out what is it it's brian's, brian's song. song about brian piccolo who's a football player who uh, developed cancer. Oh, true story. Okay, well, that's, yeah. that sounds sad. It was a made-for-TV movie back in the early seventies. Yeah, it was. It was. It's very sad. And then it had a little Brian songs, Brian song tune. Yeah, that? I remember. Story. I don't really cry at movies. Do you cry at movies? I cried at. Uh, Old Yeller. I cried at. Um, oh, Yeller. That's behind the green door. Behind the green door. <laughs> I didn't cry at that one. Um, I cried at uh, Remember the Titans. Why did you cry at Old Yeller? Deep Throat. They shot the dog for fuck's sake. What's wrong with you? The dog had rabies. The dog was a good dog. He didn't the have dog the rabies coming. And that's why you put possums down so your dog doesn't get rabies. So you don't have to Old Yeller your dog. Hmm. All right. So she, her and her friends, uh, they formed this group called the Gets, right? Playing with the group proved to be therapeutic for Mia's energy and creativity. Uh, in sharp contrast to her offstage persona, she quickly developed a mesmerizing uh, front woman persona with a unique voice, high energy. If you see her in these videos on YouTube, you'll, you'll get it. As word got around, the band's audience grew to include many other of uh, the areas, other musicians who had come to see for themselves what their friends were talking about. So they're starting to get a following. Got it? Sort of like. Okay, whatever. Sort of like every other podcast out there except Except us. for ours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't figure out why. <laughs> it could be because we meander through we these do. stories. We do, Miranda. Okay, the musical output. We of Miranda the, through our stories. We yeah. Miranda through our stories. I dated a Miranda once. <laughs> nice girl. She's still alive. I, I, <laughs> have, I have used Miranda quite a bit in my life. Say, oh, I, that's a story we should do sometime. Miranda. I would love to do a yeah, story you on do Miranda. The, you do the uh, script. Miranda. Right, script on it. Yeah? Yeah. you let me? Yeah, but I'll take credit for it. <laughs> Mia. What a dick. <laughs> So they began the the get started to get a local following. Okay, so to recap here. Okay, wait a minute. Let me get, let me get through this so we can get on. Mia uh, found that uh, writing music, original music, came easy for her, and it blended well with her poetry. And she loved poetry at the same time. 
in spite of their uh, new status, to get soon face the realization that they've reached the pinnacle of what they could achieve in Yellow Springs, Ohio. You know, you can only go so far in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Yeah, Dominic. you're not going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, I can only go so far with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at some point, you know. So what, have, uh, I'm going to have to what play I, you guys lose. What I'm hearing is what an albatross around your neck, Timmy. Well, you know. <laughs> Like Paul McCartney had to let <laughs> had to let those other four losers go. If you would so like he, to buy my shares back, so he could establish wings. <laughs> Find me a one-legged woman. I'm, I'm going to leave you guys. Jit, Jit. Did they stay married? Are they still married? Or I know the one-legged woman took him for everything. Yeah. She she left there with that leg full of jewels. <laughs> I mean, she had treasures. <laughs> she had diamonds and rubies in that leg. She, you know she was strutting when she walked out of that house. <laughs> yeah, you know she was. She was she was all, all lopsided. Isn't that like the biggest settle, merit, settlement yeah. in yeah. history? That yeah, he got. Yeah, but he. Had, I mean, he. he well, he, he was like, he broke. I, I think he 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 had. He's the most wealthy performer ever. I heard it one time, Timmy, and this is a true fact. And this more was than, more than Elvis. Yeah. This was back in the nineties or late eighties. Um Thomas because you know he, he, he picked up uh Michael Jackson's catalog. Right. And he at one time No, had, it was the uh, other way around. Michael Jackson No, but then he got it back. Oh. I don't know that Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog. Yeah. He was at one time Yeah. Making twenty four thousand dollars an hour. 24 hours a day yeah he, he, so so she got some of that but he he wasn't hurting that's what you're saying uh okay so um so they knew that they had come as far as they're going to go in yellow springs ohio so it was time well i on. think once you play the elks club in yellow springs ohio yeah. you pretty much but they had a following you know um okay well they did the smart thing yeah, they, they did. They, they did. went to where they they went they could where, break it yes. break out, and that was in the late 1980s. That was Seattle, Washington, right? That's where the absolutely the music scene was at the time. A new sound had a new distinct sound called grunge, which was a combination of now this is the definition of grunge, and you guys can correct me if this is wrong. A combination of punk rock and heavy metal. No. All right. How would you describe grunge? I would describe grunge as a bunch of guys who didn't know how to play the goddamn instruments and wrote lyrics that made absolutely no sense. It was strung out on heroin most of the time. Okay. And uh, that's how I would describe how would grunge. You describe grunge. You're a fucking idiot. Okay. Describe grunge in better terms. Grunge. I, I, the problem with def defining grunge is that. It's not like a collaboration of a couple of different types of music. It was it was a brand new type of music. I, it was barely music. Okay. Well, no, let, let, let me, it, I don't want to interrupt your debate, but just to say, they never the Gits saw themselves as a punk group, and they didn't want the the label of being the grunge group they just went to seattle because that's where the music well, they're very very different styles yeah, yeah. And I, w I would say grunge actually if i was being serious grunge is emo with a very jagged edge to it would you agree with that i would say that that's 
Yeah, that's fair. But but there is talent in it. It's not talentless. No, but when you had the grunge movement, you had everybody in the world buying a guitar. and they, Just like the punk movement. I mean, you had... Every, okay, so in the late 80s in Seattle... There was no Bruce. Uh, the, the grunge movement led to commercial success for groups like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Change, and Stone Temple Pilots. Soundgarden. Uh, Soundgarden. Soundgarden so, was good. I never, thought, I never thought Pearl Jam much of a grunge band, though. Yeah, uh, but they, but they, they were, were born out of that. They were born out of it, yeah. but yeah, I never Red thought their style. Peppers, yeah, they, they all came out of that yeah. sort of. So, Matchbox Twenty. Okay, so they're not. All right, all right. Yes, very nice. Uh, Dominique is showing me a picture of stick people. It looks like. See, this is me shooting my uncle. Yes, she's killing her uncle, and Renee's got a new stick boyfriend with a stick penis. <laughs> Very nice. Very large stick. Very nice. I'll put it on our Instagram. You're going to be a great um, contributor to this podcast. Uh, and the Colonel has a stick picture, uh, a stick person holding up a pitchfork with a <laughs> possum, a dead possum, <laughs> and a, another little possum saying no mama, and the acne possum movers coming. Okay, very well. Um, so anyway. We're starting an Instagram, and uh, these will be on there. Great. The Gits moved to Seattle where the grunge movement is starting. And the, the thing we, we to get out of this is that even though they were not technically a grunge band, uh, they were a punk band, but that's where all the, you know, the new talent was being developed in the late 80s, early 90s, right? If you were an aspiring rock musician in the late 1980s, early 1990s, Seattle was the place to be. So... Uh, Mia and her bandmates moved to Seattle in September of 1989. With not much in way of income, Mia found a job at the local bar and four band members moved into a, an abandoned house they called the Rat House. So kind of like your dorm. Yeah. In the Pacific Northwest, the Gets gradually became the hub of a large music and social subscene that included many other artists. The group was known, the Gets were known to be uncompromising and independent, and in 1991, the, man, the band completed a highly successful tour of Europe without the involvement of a major record label or booking agency. So, I mean, they actually played. They didn't just, like, like, go on tour with a bunch of old blue-haired women. They actually played music. Just want to make it clear. It wasn't just, like, a vacation. It was a tour. Got it. <laughs> I'm on it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and the band released a series of well-received singles uh, on local independent record labels from 1990 to 1992. Do you know what, uh, what labels? Just curious. Uh, I think I have one in here. Maybe. Let me see if I can get to it. Uh, during their four-year tenure in Seattle, the Gets' commitment to their music continued to deepen while their reputation grew. So they move from Ohio to Seattle, and they start, you know, they start getting into the music scene there, and they're, they be, you know, they were popular in Ohio. They're starting to make a name for themselves in a much larger venue right now. Uh, okay, so they performed live shows in throughout the u.s but mainly in the northwest they were making a name for themselves in the music scene in 1992 the band released its debut album french and the bully which i know colonel you've done before mm -hmm. if you can't beat the bully you french the bully yeah 
Their reputation progressively increased within the grunge scene in Seattle before the band uh, began to work on their second and final album called The Conquering Chicken, uh, released in 1993. Remember I said that Mia was nicknamed Chicken Legs? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the title of the band was kind of a play on that. During the early 1990s, buzz began surrounding the band, which, you know, we hope at some point will there will be some buzz around this podcast other than the colonel moving the microphone when he shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) This buzz caused some media outlets to lump the gets in with the then burgeoning Seattle grunge music scene, which we said they were, um, they did not consider themselves to be grunge. They considered themselves to be punk. And now the lovely Dominique will tell you what happens next. Oh, um, well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. We were waiting with bated breath. Yes, we will wait here patiently while you just go on drawing your pictures or whatever you're doing. And <sighs> go ahead. I'm, Paper I'm, with I'm, words I'm on I'm on the edge of my seat. That's the script. It's I, called a script, yeah. You know it's what? even got your name right there, Dominique. I, you know, I, I'm not gifted the script before, uh, before I get here, so if you could just back well, Why don't you try getting here on time and... You're Just say I got one nerve, and you're tap dancing all <laughs> over it. <laughs> all right. So the band's first official release was Precious Blood, which was released by the local Big Flaming Ego Records. In 1992, the band recorded and released their debut album, Frenching the Bully. Which is something, Colonel, you've done before. Yeah, if you can't beat them, French them. <laughs> <laughs> It's been my theory. If you can't beat them, French them. But <laughs> if you can't, can't French them, beat them. Can't French them, beat them. <laughs> or run like hell. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're really good, they let you French them and beat them. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, you come across think, one of those. Not every once in a while. I think most of the women are on our Facebook page, but yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a no, pack of weirdos. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't encourage beating. Well, not, <laughs> not like beating. beating. Choking, they're like me. they're like spanking and right. or like and smacking, you know. Yes, yes. Like in the face. Yes. Needle play and whatever. Oh, not. I don't know what that is. Golden showers. Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Setting their toes on fire. You know, my son the other day, I was taking a shower. Oh, we're going down another pointless story you know because you know my role here is kind of to tell pointless stories. But if you want to take that over, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> My son is three, and I was taking a shower I'm a, the I'm other aware day, of that. and he got into the shower. He came into the bathroom and got in the shower, didn't say a word to me, and uh, turned around, looked at me, and just peed all over my feet. So? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Not a word was said. That's all right. That's all right. It's perfectly normal. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't... I mean, I'm not saying he's an abnormal child, but it was... Some of us pay good money to have people pee on our feet. <laughs> well, not your kid. I mean, I was like, can't I just have a shower in peace without someone peeing on me? Anyway, um, you're kind of high maintenance. Can we de- can we delete that? <laughs> no, no, no. I think our listeners will. All right. Love that By the story. summer of 1993, the Gits' reputation as a solid live act found them headlining more often. And they were now attracting the attention of several indie labels. When not working or recording, 
Mia and her bandmates could be found at a local music club called the Comet Tavern. Yes, that's where I'm going to go when I go to Seattle. There, they would listen and discuss music with fellow artists. Although drugs were a constant presence in the streets of Seattle, Mia never really fell into any of those crowds. She might occasionally partake of marijuana. Okay, so she liked the weed. She liked she liked the ganja. <laughs> right. But she mostly just drank alcohol and at times to excess, which... Yeah. I mean, if you're going to drink it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Drink except it for, for me. Taste. Yeah. yeah. This actually started to become a point of friction between her and her bandmates. Uh, because of Mia's strong willpower, many drug addicts approached her for advice, and she sh- soon acquired a number of new friends who found her to be both supportive and inspiring, and now credit her for helping them finally overcome their struggles with drugs. One such person was Stephanie Sargent, the guitarist for Seven Year Bitch, an all-girl punk band, who is actually really well-known. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've heard of them. Stephanie was using when they met, but they bonded despite the issue, becoming very good friends and often hanging out together when they weren't performing. Do you know why? Do you know where the term junkie originated? I'm going to give you pointless, uh, useless information. Okay. Go. Uh, in the early 20th century, when people got hooked on heroin while it was still legal, uh, once they run out of funds to buy it, they would get they would get scrap iron junk. They would go junking to get funds to support their habit, and that's how they began. That's what how the originate the original uh, the word junkie. So where where it originated? Originated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. See, you learned something. I did. I didn't learn that at Antioch College. No, I didn't. Although junkie is definitely a a term I, I don't like to use. It's no, not a very. I mean, just that's. It's not a kind word, but it is well, nice to know the history of it. See, well, you take some of the power away when you know the history. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't as derogatory as you thought, was it? No, but I mean, it's developed into a derogatory term. Right. Right. Well, uh, hold on. Now we're talking about people who uh, are just walking around picking up pop cans and whatnot. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Make an honest living. Living? That's not what we're talking about. Well, I mean, you want to call somebody a junkie? I see somebody walking down the street carrying some pop cans. I say, hey, Mr. Junkie, how you doing? That's what you're going to say. He's like, all right with me. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that's all right with him? I don't really care if it's all right with him. He's picking up pop cans. What do I give a shit? I live next door to this woman. And for some reason, when I was a kid, I thought this was the coolest thing, but she would go well, what she called junking, and she would, she would drive up on you know what Sunday night, whenever the garbage night was, and she would go to the better areas of town and go through people's trash. Yeah, yeah. And and you know we would collect, and I would get to go with her, and that was like a real treat to go junking. Only later did I learn it's really just going through people's garbage. <laughs> Like, I mean, this is how did like, you not know that well, this as is you were doing yeah. it? Because well, it's fun when you're like six or seven years old. Yeah, but you still know you're going to yeah, garbage. But, but when you're like, you know, when you get older, you did think, you think it was like unattended <laughs> yard sales? <laughs> but I mean, when you get older, you see we like, got a bargain on know, this. I one. was just really going through someone's trash. 
It lost some of its appeal. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, when you become socially aware. <laughs> See, I would have got that sooner if I went to Antioch College. Yeah. yeah. See, it, well, I, I was I, sheltered I, as a... We were so poor, we didn't even have trash. <laughs> we had no trash. So your neighbor was a hoarder. And you well, have I, no I, common I sense. There's a lot of stories about her, but yeah. I mean, it was a common... I imagine there's one a, or two about you, too. <laughs> it was an acceptable thing at the time. Was she for a people, widow? For, for people to go through other people's trash. It's still acceptable. Still, yeah. Well, I, people still do it. I count on people doing it all the time. As a matter of fact, I got to call Dude, the city. Cause. I put out a sofa one time. And I, you know, we tried to get, um, it was good, Goodwill to come. Mm -hmm. And they came, or no, no, it was like the veterans or something. But they came, but there was like a little tear on the skirt of the sofa in the back. And the guys was like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't take this. Because I think they just didn't want to lift the damn thing. So they just gave that as an excuse. So I slid it down. I got a little slope in my yard and it was snowing. And I slid <laughs> the fucking thing down the slope. Fucking cousin Eddie. <laughs> I mean, Shooter's full. <laughs> and I said it's the west side, so I yeah. fit right in, right in your neighborhood. And you should have kept it on your porch. It's on West Tower. So I put this, this this sofa right in front of my yard, right? And so I, I climb back up the hill and, and take my coat off. I look out five minutes later, that motherfucker's gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you put anything. That, now, this is what I learned because I told, now the last food time we had to get rid of, and I got to get rid of another one. Renee's like, well, you set this one out because somebody will come and take it in five minutes. I was like, no, the, the other one had metal in it. Renee, this is wood. Nobody's going to want this thing because it, they come around, collect, because the junkies come around, collect scrap metal. The junkies, yeah. The junkies. That's what I'm gonna call them from now. Hey, Mr. Junkie, how you doing? Don't, don't, you know what I can never figure judgmental. out. This is no, what man. I can never figure out. It's though. an acceptable term. These guys that walk around, you know, and, and and I do not say this in any kind of derogatory or judgmental manner. But these guys, they're entrepreneurs because they walk around, they collect the pop cans, right? And they got these huge ass bags. Why don't they invest three dollars in a goddamn can crusher? And they wouldn't. They could carry around a lot more. Pop cans. Hey, that's interesting. But that wasn't the end of my story. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, so okay. I decided I was going to take up biking, right? <laughs> How does so that I, fit into this couch? Well, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll fill it in. So, I, that summer I buy a bike. <laughs> and, and, and I, yeah, I'm doing yard work and shit, and I leave the bike out front of my yard. <laughs> I'm in the back. I'm mowing the grass. And I'm coming in, and I seen this this guy getting on my bike. So I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? He said, oh, aren't you throwing this away? No, motherfucker, it's a brand new $400 bike. And that's how Pee Wee's Big Adventure came about. Yeah. So it's, you got to watch out for the junkies. You do. They yeah. are some bike-stealing motherfuckers, those junkies. Well, we have a neighborhood uh, website. And people just post all the time. Curb alert! This mm. is out, and yeah. I mean it'll be gone in a heartbeat. We say did that with wives <laughs> or children. Yeah, with, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'd right, only so. have one of the twins. I ain't saying which one, but. <laughs> <laughs> so Mia, Mia, and uh, okay, so Mia and the chick from uh, Seven Year Bitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
so they become uh, friends they, and she was a big deal i mean she was a star she laid off later you're gonna get to it i'll let you get to it so. what? <laughs> thank you yeah <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler right? alert continue please so kurt cobain the lead singer, guitarist, and principal songwriter for Nirvana. The most overrated band in the world ever. That's ridiculous. Don't ever say that yeah, again. They do, did they do Rape Me? Is that who did Rape Me? Yes, they okay. did the cool song, song Rape Me. Cool song. Uh, <laughs> what? I like that song. <laughs> I, didn't like, I don't want people to rape me. I just like the song. <laughs> they have a five-CD discography. <laughs> And you, I like you rape me. It's, oh. it's a catchy little ditty. Rape me. Rape me. Okay, well, it is a catchy little tune. So, anyway, uh, he and Mia uh, became close friends mm-hmm. um, for pretty much the same reasons. And they all supported. What what does this mean, Timmy? All right, so I became a close friend of Mia's for pretty much the same. Well, reasons. see, if we didn't interrupt you, you would, it would make sense. She became this very supportive friend who people for people who had problems with addiction, artists who had problems with drugs, including Kurt Cobain, and they would. So she had this bond with these other artists. That's what we're getting at. Yeah, but I. I I never knew Kurt Cobain to be one who tried to get sober. Well. Anyway, doesn't matter. I thought he went to rehab once or twice. Kurt Cobain. Um, That's a different show. Let's, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Mia was shocked when Stephanie Sargent was found dead in her Capitol Hill apartment on June 27th, 1992. Uh, she had passed out on her back after returning home from a party where she had drunk alcohol and taken a small amount of heroin. She died of asphyxiation when she failed to wake up after vomiting, and she was only 24. That's really sad. Yes. So Bon Scott, John Bonham, that's how they went. Joked on their own puke. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you can't, you can't, you gotta lay on your side if you're gonna get all fucked up like that on your stomach, yeah. But it affected her, yeah, pretty. Yeah, she went into a deep funk and began to drink more heavily. And when confronted by her bandmates about her behavior, she cut back on her drinking and and threw herself into her music. So Mia and others in Seattle must have observed the country's swift acceptance of the underground music and its culture with a mixed sense of awe and confusion. Although it went against the very nature as outsiders to suddenly become the ones setting the trends for a new generation, the allure of half-million-dollar record deals from the big corporate labels certainly tested their devotion and commitments. Yeah, you know, for us, if someone wants us to sell out, we're willing to sell out for money. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. No, I'll sell out for a dollar thirty-five. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, actually, I wouldn't say that. I'm thirty dollars is my thirty-two dollars. Any um, podcasting networks out there want us for thirty-three dollars? We're yeah, we'll sell out. We'll sell the whole goddamn show for thirty-three dollars. Yeah, we'll sell out. Name uh, all, or or and, never cuss again, and we'll throw brandy in with it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that would that would be. <laughs> 
Uh, we, we would not uh, agree to it unless they took brandy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although I don't know if we get $33 if brandy's included, but we'll take 12 and We might brandy. have to pay them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so the thing is, yeah, they, well, they were attracting uh, major record labels now. And it, so they wasn't this outside band. Now they were the part of the... You know. What well, was the irony of grunge is they railed against corporate rock, but then they the big ones became corporate rock. Yeah. Well, and they also, I mean, Nirvana was uh, the first band to um, to outsell Michael Jackson. Yeah, and that was like a really big deal yeah. because people were starting to go, who you know, mm. what is this type of music? And I mean, it just hadn't been heard before, really, and so. Uh, I'm still trying to get Bono off my fucking phone. <laughs> Bono? Bono, yeah. Who's Bono? Bono. Lead singer from U2. I know who Bono is. They I'm still trying to get it, it off the phone. On the phone. iPhone, they they uh, did that automatic oh, la- download. Oh, yeah, no, they Motherfucker, did. Motherfucker, I've deleted it like 10 times. The shit keeps, uh, Every playlist. time you update, upgrade like, your software, it's on there again. <laughs> you know, I went to this fundraiser for the human rights campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm not close to that, but go ahead. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Fundraising or human rights human in rights. general? Okay. It's it's for gay people. Yeah. I like gay people. I just don't like humans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's the human part that I don't like. It, uh, they have a gala every year. And in of one course, year. A gala. A, <laughs> don't don't say it Gala. like <laughs> don't you say got it me like on you my Bono. Gala. Bono will play for <laughs> the gala. Don't say gala like you've ever been to one. First oh, of all, he's been to a gala. Oh, I've been to a gala. Yeah. No, you have. Yeah. That motherfucker goes to a gala a month. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him at galas. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a gala going motherfucker. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a one man gala in to, that I've shirt. I've been to Grand Marshal of galas before. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they had a surprise performance at this gala. Yeah. Gala. Uh huh. And um, it was Bono. Motherfucker. Why is he putting shit on my phone? <laughs> and so let me tell you, he came out into the crowd. Yeah. Excuse me. Came out into the crowd and he and I sang, uh, who's going to wild ride your wild horses. Uh-huh. I, I sang part of it with him and then later made out with him. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend at the time was very upset with me, although he made out with me. It was, it was not, why the fuck is he putting music on my phone is what I want to do. <laughs> anyway. Shit, I can't get the shit off. Here's the problem. <laughs> I found out later that there's this guy who you can hire who looks and sounds exactly like Bono. Well, that motherfucker must be the one on my phone. And he's the one who was trying to get me and my girlfriend. Oh, he was at the gala. Yeah, he was the one performing at so the gala. So Bono, it was a fake Bono. It was a fake Bono. At the gala. Was I the gala real? The gala was very real. I have photos from it. Okay. I, I, so the I gala was darling. real, but the Bono, it was. And my, and my girlfriend's anger was very real. You know, when he, he doesn't charge, he plays poor Bono. <laughs> <laughs> he puts that shit on your phone. You guys need. <laughs> you can't get shit off. You guys I'm need to there. quit using legal terms like your attorneys, because neither of you I'm are. Like, I am jamming. I am pro boner. I, I'm fucking jamming. I'm just saying, too. I'm pro boner. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to my phone. I'm jamming to Kate, Katy Perry. 
And this fucking Bono comes on. Okay, maybe you need to think you, about your life choices. Or, or maybe you need to go to the HRC gala because... <laughs> I'm not big on Bono. Do you have a hickey? I got bit by a spider for Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used that one before. You call, are you calling my aunt a spider? <laughs> no, it wasn't you, her. Ever since she started that stuff, man, she's been freaky. I'm, I'm telling you, look at the shirt he's wearing. That's all I'm saying. I Someone know. he picked up at the gala. <laughs> Do we have an Instagram? Uh, we will shortly. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm working on a lot of things like, at one time. Like we will shortly have a contract. Uh, <laughs> and a, 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 today, a, a, you know what I'm going to do today? First of all. And we will shortly be on iTunes and we will shortly uh, be successful. I've been you, on a job for like three days. Yeah. Yeah. Are you complaining about this my man, job performance? This, this man right here does more work before <laughs> 5 a.m. than I've seen him for three days with you. No, I'm not complaining. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, you poked that little tiny bag. Oh, fuck. I ain't even got nothing to do with this. No, we're, very, we're very excited to have you on board. Are you, are you criticizing my work? No, just your work ethic. I, <laughs> I we haven't seen like, in your work. We can't criticize it. I would like to point out that you solicited me. Oh, I solicit a lot of people. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. <laughs> don't, don't feel special there. Okay, well, I did a lot for your stupid podcast you know, before I was ever a you know, part of it. You know what? If you could just get Bono off my fucking phone, <laughs> the real one or the fake one, I don't care. If you could just get Bono off my phone, that would be uh, that would be a major accomplishment. I thought that was a very interesting story. It was. You made out with a fake Bono. I thought I was singing with the real Bono. I was so Well, that excited. was fucking stupid. <laughs> you think Bono was really going to be at a Where was this at? 
I'm gonna stab you in your neck. <laughs> no, no, no. Where was this at? Like, it was. Oh, it was downtown. It was a really right, big downtown. Gala. Downtown Cincinnati. Yes. Okay. There was a Gallia. <laughs> Galleria. <laughs> there was a Gallia. You know what? Here's the thing. Okay, wait, How about wait, wait, if wait, you wait, wait, two wait. stay in Highland Heights and on the west side and quit acting like you know a fucking thing about anything classy? Okay. I've had it. I'm going back to the script. Fuck both of you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to get this. Once I get I'm this done straight. with this, yeah. No, let's get this. Let's get this straight. What would you like to get straight? Okay. What I would like to just clarify. You went to this event, right? Uh huh. <laughs> expecting the lead singer downtown Cincinnati expecting the lead singer of you two you just keep being pretty baby okay <laughs> to, and, and he picks you out of the Hold crowd on. now Timmy you to see do a duet with the leader the singer of a band that sold billions of records he's gonna do a solo he's gonna duet with you in downtown Cincinnati and we're the fucking morons <laughs> Okay, now, Timmy, I'm going to tell you something. The motherfucker's on my phone. <laughs> I have the real one on my phone. You've seen, and and on my page, they're all members. You've seen my three nieces, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, I'm beautiful. Now, them motherfuckers, you could put them in a room for 10 years. Ain't none of them going to split Adam, Timmy. You know that. So, yeah, maybe she thought it was a real Sorry, bono did, making did, out with did, her. I don't know. Did you update your Facebook page with you? You <laughs> <laughs> mono. Here I am making out with Bono. What no, I think doing? his name was Mono. <laughs> really? I mean, what? Good thing you didn't go to Las Vegas or you'd been making out with Elvis. Actually, I saw an Elvis that did. Lawrenceburg Casino once. You should have hooked up with him. Somebody gonna get stabbed here, so let's just move he on was, to the script. He was like the late, he was like the uh, um, older Elvis, you know, with the big, about four hundred fat pounds. Elvis. Was he the older Elvis? Yeah, he was the fat Elvis. Was he? he wasn't tiny Elvis. I like the leather Elvis. Yeah, his comeback. Are you gonna do the script anymore? Or have oh, we just I, given up on this show? I'm I'm sorry. I, I am I done getting berated for. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, the fact that you made out with the lead singer of YouTube really, <laughs> it's really a unique story. That In the head, she did. So I guess yeah. it's real in um, her reality. Well, you know what? You'd just have a blast if you had Rich Little, would you? <laughs> you bang every celebrity. <laughs> Dom DeLuise. <laughs> invite this guy to our dweeb con. He, he's I'm actually a, we can't afford him oh, he's really expensive he's from argentina he's I, i'm not kidding he's yeah. not even an irish boner no he's, he's an argentine bono an argentine he's a bono from uh buenos aires wow that's correct hmm. um and that's fascinating just so we're clear yeah he and I made out a couple times because he uh, kept grabbing me and trying to make out with me. And then my girlfriend got real mad and he she tried to get... jealous of fake... Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you know what was weird? Was she real jealous or fake jealous? <laughs> she, was, 
she was more upset that I sang with him than that he like kissed me. Which but you was... know he's going around telling people he went <laughs> he sang with the real Dominique. <laughs> I'm going to post on our um on our Instagram. Yes. Photos of me with this guy. Okay. And you fine. are going to say to yourself, "Wow, that's that a looks boner. a lot like Bono." <laughs> that's a boner there. <laughs> and um, she gave boner a boner. <laughs> I did. She she gave him a pro bono. <laughs> Uh, I would just like to point out, Dominic, that I have 11,900 steps today. How many do you have? Um, I have, um, let's see, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's how many I have. Oh, God, I miss Brandy. Okay. <laughs> I never thought those words would cross our lips. <laughs> Brandy's um, the nice one now. If you're wondering what I'm looking up right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering why you wasn't reading, like, reading script. Yeah, I'm on my phone looking up your address because tonight... <laughs> I'm going to come into your apartment. And I assume you live in an apartment. No. I, I... <laughs> he lives in a high-security complex. <laughs> yeah. You live in a condo? Yeah. No, I live in an apartment. I'm going to be in it, and okay. I'm going to stab you. Okay. And you're not going to see it coming. <laughs> okay. Well, That's how this, I hope to go. 100,000 people have just heard you say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think more like 67. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, yeah. we're probably down to about 20. So anyway, um, so Mia. Yes. So so let's recap here just yeah, real let's quickly. Yeah, let's get back to the story. So We've Mia, got, they've gotten successful. They've moved from the, you know, the clubs and everything else. Mm-hmm. They're signing big record deals. She's hanging out with, on the verge. She's hanging out with Kurt Cobain, helping him out because he's yeah. got some drug problems. She's, she's kind of taking in these stray cat drug people to help him out. Junkies. She's a nice Junkies. person. Junkies, yeah, and uh, no, 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 in a, in a good way, in a good way, and uh, so now she's uh, they're on the verge of superstarting, you're right, yeah, okay, they're on the verge of making it big here, okay, and she's devoted herself into music, she's laid off the got off the, off the hooch, yeah, and uh, so me and others in Seattle, they're they're observing the fact that underground music is getting really big and it's kind of throwing them anyway. So Mia Zapata and her band were in the right city at the right time, and major record companies came calling to land the next Pearl Jam or Nirvana. Okay. In the summer of 1993, the Gits were about to sign with Atlantic Records. That would make them yeah, would make a them household time. name. Yeah. Yeah. Records. Same Led Zeppelin. But mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin was Atlantic. Slim Whitman. I made out with the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that. No. Did you make out with Jimmy Page? Oh, you have no idea. That man is dirty. <laughs> she made like, out. She made out with George Michael when he was in Wham. <laughs> <laughs> but he wouldn't make out with her. <laughs> but he flashed her. <laughs> Wake me up before you go, go, Dom. <laughs> Freddie says relax. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Do you think he's gay? Kevin Spacey? Oh, he gay as hell. Oh, yeah, he's real gay. Yeah, he's, he's gay. out. Yeah. Is he out? Yeah. yeah, he's out. I didn't know he was out. Yeah, he's out. I'll tell you what, Robin Wright, though, she still look good. 
Yeah, but you know. Oh, she's hot as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My God. She's hotter now. You see Princess Bride. She's hotter now than she was you back then. You see Forrest Gump. Yeah. She's hotter now. She's hotter now yeah. than Forrest Gump. Yeah, she's hotter. Women, Jessica Lange, almost yeah, 70 year old, you know who still she look good. Reminds me up is uh, Mia from or uh, Mika from uh, <laughs> Mika from uh, Morning Joe. Her and oh yeah, there's a resemblance. There. Yeah, Ooh, I can see that. Mika, an attractive woman. Um, but no, she's a she's one of my Joe. favorite scenes from a movie. Although I'm not keen on Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Is when she gets all fucked up on cocaine and then she's on the balcony yeah. and she's looking yeah. down. Yeah, that shows her feet. I don't like feet. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies is uh, um, scenes from a movie is Jessica Lang and Jack Nicholson going at it on the kitchen table, uh, and the postman always rings twice. Yeah, you are post- so old. Oh, I'd be I'd be like the postman always bangs he twice, l- baby. He love mm-hmm. had Jack Nicholson on top of him. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, hell yeah, I would. Would you, who would you rather do, Jessica Lang or Jack? Wouldn't Nicholson? make a damn bit of difference to me. Because <laughs> I want him on that wall. We have to do a podcast on him. He's had a wild life, man. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, All right. This, back to me. Are we? Are we going to try yeah. to pull this train wreck together? We really do. We're down to like twenty-eight percent on our computers. Okay. So. Um, so they're about to sign with Atlantic Records, and uh, all that came to a tragic and abrupt ending in the early morning hours of July 7, 1993. On July 6th, Mia woke around 11 a.m. and met with her dad, Richard, who had driven in to buy her lunch and discuss her future. Afterwards, they shopped at Tower Records, a retail chain, and then drove to the city's art museum. Don't have record stores anymore, do they? They're not. No. They, they, they sell vinyl now again. Don't they? Yeah, but it's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of them have closed. The bigger ones, it's yeah. just like local. Yeah. I mean, we still have Shake It Records over in Northside. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's a good one. And everybody's records. Yeah. In Pleasant Ridge. It used to be like one on every block back in the day. You could right. buy forty fives. Remember the forty fives? That was probably before your time. Forty fives. They were singles. Uh-huh. You remember them, Chuck? Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Had the B side. Yeah, A side and the B side, and it, it was not like ninety nine cents for a song. That really hasn't changed that much. I mean, that's how much a, you know a song will cost you to download now. No, when when I um, started buying music, it was on these things called CDs. What was the song first? Uh, CDs uh, or cassettes? What's the, first, what's the first record you ever bought? Madonna. Uh, Madonna's uh, it was a like L- a prayer LP or <clears throat> CD. The first song I ever bought was in the year twenty five twenty five by Zager and Evans. You remember that, Chuck? Mm-hmm. Little uh, tidbit of inf- t- little fact here, factoid. Yes, yeah, factoid. The first uh, album put on compact disc. I don't know that. Bruce Springsteen, born in the Jesus USA. Christ. Okay. Bruce trivia. Let's go. That motherfucker better than putting that shit on my phone. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Bono than him. You're 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 with you the wrong dangerous crowd. territory there. I'd old rather man. make out with Bono than to listen to that shit. You wish you could make out with Bono. Even, even a fake from, one. Even if he's from Buenos Aires. Okay, so the girl's getting, the girl's dead you know, here. You know the worst thing to hear when you're giving Willie Nelson a blowjob? What? I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs> 
Mike really, but I don't think he. I, mean, I have questions about his bathing. I have a question about his, uh, you know, his hygiene. That's your problem. Yeah, I can. I see like why. his. I'd love to see him in concert, but I gotta see him. You know, like I put BB King off like every year, and I'm like, oh no, I'll see him next summer. Next summer, you know, and he died. <laughs> Well, yeah, he was, probably, he was like 94 years old. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen with me and Willie. I'm that is what happened with me and Prince, and I still, I still cannot accept that Prince is dead. You know, I heard he puts on his. Sometimes he put on a shitty show, though. Like he did one show in New York. He did it all in the dark. I <laughs> 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 could see him. He had no lights on this day. Well, that's he, when he was like a symbol or something. He wasn't. Yeah, uh, he he decided he, he went didn't through some odd phases. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that 700 milligrams of Percocet he was taking every day. Yeah. That did not, and he was a tiny not, little guy. He wasn't, wasn't like... You and know. he said it was for a hip problem. Mm-hmm. But you'd yeah. think they could just replace that hip. Oh, yeah, but why when you get 700 milligrams of Percocet <laughs> every day? I mean, eventually that fun's got to stop, right? Well, I then, you, think. Then, you have to, then you have to go out and collect junk. <laughs> <laughs> He expired before that happened. I like Prince because he had a lot of good uh, strip club. He made a lot of good strip club music. That song "Kiss," you know, song "Kiss." That's the first song I ever heard in the strip club. I was hoping the Colonel would sing it. Why can you motherfuckers not stay on on point? This is what is life, Quinn. Doves cry. Act your age, not your shoe size. Ain't no particular sign. I'm the singing is my job here because you go on with the script. I'm getting impatient here. We're down to 31% on our <laughs> battery. Okay. Just. But I have to finish. Yeah. All right, you can finish later. I'm not allowed to finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Barely All right, finishing so too quickly. After they shopped at Tower Records and the art museum, they left around 3 p.m. and Mia's roommates confirmed that he returned Mia to her apartment in Rainer Valley, where she proceeded to catch up on her laundry and walk the community-owned, communally-owned dog. Oh God! At 6:30 p.m., she showed up at a small studio in the Winston Apartments on East Pike Street to rehearse with a band called Hell's Smells, a group that included musician Robert Jenkins, a man that Mia had been dating that year. I think he was 20 years her senior. Damn. Okay. Let's get some young talent. I can get aboard with that now. Gross. God, that'd be like a 55-year-old for me. That's disgusting. I'm 56. (laughs) Take it as you will. (laughs) Continue. We're at that out. (laughs) At approximately 8.30 p.m., she entered the Comet Tavern, where she was well known to all of the regular patrons. Mia was now in a bit of a blue funk, at odds with the prospects of signing with a large, cold corporate entity and upset over the news from Jenkins that he'd been seeing someone else. Fucking Jenkins. Fuck yeah, you, fucking Jenkins. Je- I bet he was a butler. What a fucking mm. dick. Mm-hmm. She was a, a butler? No, no, no. Jenkins. He's got to be a butler. <laughs> she was also still grieving the one-year anniversary of Stephanie Surgeon's death. 
Mia began drinking heavily again, at one point leaving to imbibe in some shots of hard liquor at a nearby pizza joint. Oh, Jenkins, I need a sandwich. (laughs) Give me some pizza, Jenkins. Before returning to the (laughs) convent. Mia remained sober for several weeks, but in lieu of recent events, had decided to tie one on with friends before calling it a night. It was the last time they would see her alive. Obviously inebriated, Mia left alone around midnight after stating her intentions to confront Jenkins. But finding the... She's confronting her butler. She's Mm -hmm. confronting her butler. No, no, her her ex-boyfriend. Well, there's still... It's Uh, unclear whether they're together uh, or not. She's seen someone else. Well, she's going to confront him. Polyamory is a thing. Yeah. But finding the studio empty, she proceeded upstairs to her to his Winston apartment, only to discover that he wasn't home. Instead of leaving, she visited the second floor residence of Tracy Victoria Kenley, nicknamed TV, the singer for Jenkins Group, and was invited in to chat. She remained until 2 a.m., now July 7th, before taking leave of the apartment building without giving any clue as to where she was heading. Because she didn't possess a driver's license, Mia occasionally hailed cabs, but more often would walk or catch rides from friends. Tracy did not think much of when Mia refused her offer to spend the night. Mia's actions during the next 80 minutes remain a mystery. At 3.40 a.m., she was found dead nearly two miles away in a dilapidated neighborhood, the victim of an atrocious attack wherein she'd been raped, viciously beaten, bitten, strangled with the drawstring of her black Gitz sweatshirt, and left lying face-up on the street, displayed in an eerie crucifixion pose. So in the investigation, the local police had very little to go on. It was apparent that the crime had probably occurred at some unknown location and that the assailants had simply dumped her body in a conveniently inconspicuous spot where it might remain undiscovered for hours, allowing plenty of time in which to flee. DNA samples extracted from the bite marks were examined and the resulting profile was checked against against the FBI's DNA records of other violent criminals. Yeah, and this was in the early 90s, so DNA wasn't as advanced as it was. Yeah, so today. this was in in the 90s. 93, so yeah. I, did CODIS even exist in 93? Mm-hmm. D- it did? Yeah. I think it was like 1989, I think it came but out. They started to, yeah. They started, huh. But <clears throat> DNA technology was in its infancy, and so no all-inclusive national database <laughs> existed. So the answer would be no, Chuck. There was a, there was a, hold on, no. <clears throat> hold on. <laughs> so, again, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No. Hold on, we're going to get some more information. All right, but continue with bullshits this. with such confidence, Timmy. It's, it's unbelievable. So, anyway. Do not question the accuracy of my script. <laughs> Well, you could have given me a little heads up when she asked me about that. <laughs> Even though many small localized files were available, there was no centralization of the information that made it easily accessible to authorities across the country. 
just salt in the wound there. It was created in 1994. Yeah, well, this is 1993. Even though <laughs> <laughs> weeks after formal investigations you ever made began. Out with Bono? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, motherfucker? You ain't on my phone. I have 42 email accounts and I will ruin you on iTunes. (laughs) Weeks after formal investigations began, interrogations with Mia's friends had yielded no pertinent clues. Robert Jenkins, Mia's estranged boyfriend just prior to her death, seemed truly troubled by her violent murder and earnestly volunteered hair and blood samples for DNA testing, also submitting to two lie detector tests, all of which he passed with flying colors. Yeah, so he, he was ruled out pretty quickly. His alibi was also pretty solid, as he'd spent most of his day rehearsing with his band and most of the evening with a group of pals. Timmy, pals? Pals. Now that's friends, yeah. comrades. Before Compadres, amigos. With his new girlfriend. He was quickly ruled out as a suspect. After a two-month investigation with, no, with so little evidence to go on, the Seattle police ended up surre- surrendering the facts to their cold case files. Many of Mia's friends and fellow Seattle musicians, including Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam, staged a benefit concert that helped to raise $70,000 to obtain the services of of a private detective, Leah Heron. Five years later, there there were no new clues and very little money left, but by then Heron was so absorbed by the mystery that she continued to offer her services free of charge. Still, for nearly 10 years, the case remained in limbo until some startling events developed in 2002. One strongly held popular opinion was that the murderer must be the serial killer that the press had nicknamed the Green River Killer, a murderous predator who'd been killing young women and prostitutes in the Seattle-Tacoma area since the early 1980s. Although still at large in the 90s, police remained unconvinced that there was any connection. Early in the the Seattle Police Department's investigations, when saliva samples swabbed from the bite marks on Mia's badly beaten body were checked against the state and FBI's genetic signature DNA databases, the results yielded no match and interrogations with many local friends, bandmates, in the gits, and family members revealed no substantial clues. Only five weeks after Mia's fatal abduction, a woman walking alone along the street after dark in the same area of Capitol Hill encountered a man driving past her several times before he slowed down to offer a ride. But she realized his fly was undone and turned away to call 911, causing him to speed away before police could arrive. Hey, Uncle Chuck, where were you in 1993? Just curious. Um, I was wearing these pants, <laughs> according to you. <laughs> he was putting together the uh, central, uh, centralized database. <laughs> you know, and just to clarify on that, in, 19, in 1989, the Virginia Division of Forensic Sciences put together the first DNA uh, yeah, you knew that, database. Sure. 
And Tommy Lee Andrews was a rapist and murderer. He was the first person put to death from that database. So Thank you, 1989 is when they first instituted a, a database collection system. Chuck, we all have access to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. You asked no, the question. Here, here's an interesting, then this is an inter, we don't want to overlook this. So five weeks after she is murdered, a woman's walking alone. A guy asks her if she wants a ride. He's holding his junk. Okay. Right. She reports to the police, and they basically Chuck. Well, unbelievably, <clears throat> Timmy, the authorities took the woman's story along with the description of the driver and his license plate number, and told her without any eyewitnesses there was little they could do except file a report. Now, for the next six years, not a single shred of new evidence came to light, despite the facts of the case being spotlighted on a number of true, tr true crime television shows, including Unsolved Mysteries, 48 Hours, oh, The Investigators, hours. Forensic Files, Unsolved Mysteries, American Justice, and City Confidential, Timmy. In 2001, Seattle homicide detective Greg Mixell and Richard Gagnon, really? Because if his friends called him Dick, he'd be Dick Gagon. Okay. That That's yeah. just not cool, Dick Gagon. The seventh okay. graders are rolling on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> really? All your boner jokes, and now you're going to get on me. Hey, your, so, your niece is the one about fake Bono. Dick, <laughs> Dick Gagon decided to reopen the case after having been uh, on a successful no, recent no, 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 run. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What's our general rule about podcasting? <laughs> She's just tearing open saran wrap and all kinds of the shit fuck over are there. You eating? <laughs> She's eating a cheese stick. <laughs> String cheese. String cheese. Her blood sugar get low. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with her. At least I'm, she ain't. I'm a, very a, hungry. It's it's soft. At least it ain't making. But, but when you could you make it. more noise with those rappers? God damn, it's like Christmas time in here with a bunch of little orphans running around I opening up their gifts. If you'd prefer to me. <laughs> we, we, we'll have to write up a performance improvement plan. <laughs> yeah. <after this. laughs> yeah, there's got to be some goddamn guidelines that around I'm here. I'm very sexy <laughs> when I eat bananas. It's hard to believe that she left her last job after 12 days. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> A man on a bus once told me I am a very sexy woman when Dude, I eat bananas. I, I was on a bus yesterday, and this woman was flossing her teeth. <laughs> I swear to God, I wanted to like video video on my phone, That's but I'm afraid it's I'm afraid she would beat me up. But I, I really. <laughs> you were afraid she was gonna beat you up. Yeah, can she was kind of burly. <laughs> she was burly. A burly woman. Than you me. don't want. You don't want to fuck with burly women. <laughs> no, especially if they're while they're flossing their teeth. Yeah. So <laughs> with a shoestring. <laughs> That's gross, man. You should not. You should. <clears throat> golden rule: Don't listen. If you use public <clears throat> transportation, please do not floss your teeth on, on, on the bus. But at so least you got healthy oral hygiene. One time when I was on the subway, a man sat down next to me and put his hand up my skirt. <clears throat> you was always on it. Something always happened to you on the subway. You was used to go on the... <laughs> <laughs> it was Jim Croce. <laughs> Jim Croce. <laughs> you know what? Was it a real Jim Croce? It was Axel Rose. 
was he swaying when he did it? <laughs> Take me down to welcome to the jungle. <laughs> okay, but right. I but I digress. Yes, back back to me. Back to Dick Gagon. He decided to reopen the case after he'd been on a successful recent run of cracking other cold cases. That might first, be because <clears> that new central... <laughs> he had centralized DNA thing came off. Oh, for fuck's sake. Girl got a banana. And it ain't a small banana either. This thing got... Shit, I can't even look up no more. <laughs> your, your, your juniper's mother act like it, for Christ's sake. So anyway, the, because the, the crime file had become more... Because the crime files had become more comprehensive and easier to access due to the improvement of the digital data caching and new advancements in DNA technology that allowed smaller samples to be submitted, the team hoped for a match, but the effort proved fruitless, Timmy. Aww. Yeah, unlike that thing in Dominique's hand. The Disappointed, banana. they moved on to other cases. But Dominique when they curved or straight banana? <laughs> Dominique currently has her mouth full of banana as we speak. Looks We're like, going to come back to that. Continue, Colonel. Look like a rumbay's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in December 2002, the computer matched a sample. Now you know. We're not the ones who attend Gallias. Yeah, yeah, we can, and neither can we swallow a banana in one bite. Uh, I have many that's talents. How, that's it, how you get a fake bonus. <laughs> fake bonus to make out with you. Now this is this is a big point here. We're we're, we're coming to all a right, crossroads. All right, all right, very big point. December two thousand two, the computer matches sample of the DNA profile of Jesus. Mesquia. I think that's Jesus, but okay. <laughs> well, that's not what his daddy called him. A 48-year-old fisherman living in Marathon, Florida. Right. Mixo and Gagden quickly went into action, la launching a fact-finding mission on, on on this guy, Mesquia. So they, this is like 10 years later. 10 years later. They get a, they 2002. Get a, get a DNA match. And with the cooperation of Florida authorities and the FBI... Set up a surveillance team in the men's na man's neighborhood. They discovered that the suspect was likely one of thousands of immigrants who had fled Cuba during the U.S.-assisted Mario Harbor boat lift of Cuban refugees where Castro sent all his criminals and crazies over to the United States. I remember. I remember when that happened. Yeah. Scarface. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Me, me my little friend. Mm -hmm. So anyway, in Miami, Mesquia began accruing a long rap sheet in both the Florida Keys and Riverside County, California, over the course of the following decade. Now, how he was, he was jumping back and forth. His criminal record was peppered with serious federal charges. You don't want to get a federal charge because they'll ram that up your ass. They got the mandatory sentencing. Including domestic abuse. How do you get a federal domestic abuse charge? You slapped the president. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you get a federal domestic abuse, Continue. Dominique? How do you get a federal domestic abuse charge? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Slap somebody going across state lines or some shit? Let me think about that. Well, can yeah. you hear what she thinks about it? Kidnapping, now that's a good one. Okay, false imprisonment, carrying concealed weapons, assault and battery, resisting arrest and battery. The investigative team also discovered that for several months in 93, Mesquia had been living in Seattle with a girlfriend who convinced mm. him to move there while she applied for employment. Hmm. Mm. 
At first, they stared at her mother's in the Beacon Hill section of the city where a neighbor remembered the man being temperamental, mm. distant, mm. eerily imposing, mm. and seemingly without a steady job of his own because of it being home so often. That kind of describes you, Timmy. But uh, before long, the couple moved into an apartment near Leshy Park where another neighbor remembers Basquia as being principally antisocial, again, strangely evasive, <laughs> and even suspiciously protective of his past history, revealing only vague details when brought up in casual conversation. Yeah. Hmm, this sounds like your this sounds like your doppelganger, Timmy. <laughs> Doppelganger. Fake bone. Yeah, it's a fake Timmy. <laughs> she further explained that Mesquia could yeah. appear creepily devoid of emotion. I might have a Timmy impersonator. If somebody makes out with you, that may or may not be Timmy. She further explained that Mesquia could appear creepily devoid of emotion and practiced odd rituals like hanging strands of garlic around doorways and windows to ward off evil spirits. A voodoo practice prevalent in Cuba. How about that, Dominique? That sounds a little that? bit more like Dominique, yeah. She also echoed the other's neighbor's claims that he was a temperamental man, adding that... He swallowed bananas whole. <laughs> after one particularly heated argument, his girlfriend then confided in her that she was unhappy and wanted to break it off. At one point, yeah, this romance has gone awry. At one time in the summer of 1993... After Mesquia's girlfriend had failed to land a certain position, she'd been seeking the couple stop dating, yet continued to briefly cohabitate. That means live together. Until he acquired his own car, which enabled him to return to California. Are you defining words for me? Yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. Before moving back to Florida in 2002 and then being found guilty of felonious possession of burglary tools. Hmm. As a provision of Florida's new felony laws, he was placed on probation and forced to submit a DNA sample that was entered into his criminal file. Although, being that DNA uh, collection was new at the time, authorities later found that ejaculating onto the file was not a good way to store the sample. So anyway, that's it's since moved on. Yeah. They found better ways yeah. to to do it but it used to be they put you in a in with your file in a dirty magazine and you had to come out and put Look a sample in your motion. <laughs> <laughs> get that on instagram Oh my god! We're gonna need this. We're gonna need me a sample. Here we I go. found me before kids. This was me in uh, at the lake. We'll put that on Instagram with the fake Bono. I was yeah. directing a drunk Olympics. In January, they made the move and they arrested him, and he was unable to post bail. Jesus. There was so much evidence as to his violent nature that it took a year for the FBI, Florida detectives, and Seattle cold case team to build their first-degree murder case against him due to the task of determining what will be admissible in court. <clears throat> when the initial hearing got underway, the suspect maintained his innocence, exercising his right to remain silent by choosing not to testify and opted for a jury trial that began in Seattle on March 8, 2004. Now, anybody, if you ever get a choice, a chance, um, and you, you, you got to you get to pick between a judge you know, a bench trial and a jury trial. Always pick the jury trial. Absolutely. 
because there's always liable to be one person that's crazy, even yeah. if you're guilty one as idiot. hell. Yeah. One no, idiot that just no, looks at the no, other people and says, don't. ah, fuck you guys. I ain't agreeing well, with that's that. How you, not, then you get a hung jury then. That's yeah. That's not accurate. Yeah, but if you get a judge, here's my theory on that. If you if you take if you do it in front of a judge, you got someone who sits and all day all day long they deal with the criminal element, right? So they see that shit all day long. So I would rather go with a jury because you like I mean, not like there's an idiot, but you would have a better chance as opposed to someone who's that's their job all day long is to sit sit and hear. No, a case but there are there are it it really really depends. really depends I know. on the there's, judge. There's an emotional factor to. Well, it would depend no. on the judge. It, yeah, it, it's the ideology of the judge, and if an, if it's an attorney who practices criminal law, they're going to be able to tell you this is a judge who you should yeah. you should go with a jury versus. Just don't but don't I'm, ever listen to my. I'm uncle. thinking if you just straight up guilty, which He's most of the people about in the generic, <clears throat> the generic situation. In the generic situation, most of the people in our group are going to be straight up guilty of a crime. So don't place your hands in the in, in your fate in yeah. a judge because they're going to the have all kinds of proof against you. Judge, then yeah. you go with the jury. Uh, and, and this goes out <laughs> primarily to Jen and Amber and and and. Karen. Uh, okay, we're into our fourth hour so, now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's our telethon. I, um, anyway, I feel like the DNA, this is hell. The DNA evidence <laughs> paired with other presented facts convinced the jury that he was, in fact, without a shadow of a doubt, a sexual predator without remorse. Mm. And they said, guilty. Please Guilty. What a bang to get. Well, I had to yeah, do some. Guilty. Okay. Mesquia was convicted in 2004 and sentenced to a total of 37 years. What the fuck? I got more. On, I got more on that on the shelf right now. 37 years. You got more on the shelf. 37 years. Yeah. yeah. For fucking jaywalking, I got more than that. Yeah. Of course, I got three strikes for jaywalking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, Mesquia has been in prison since January 2003. In the aftermath of the murder, however, friends created a self-defense self-defense group called Home Alive. The group's instructor offered a range of courses from anger management and use of pepper spray, which, okay. I, I don't get the anger management. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to protect yourself, you want to have the... You want to have the calm management. You want to get rid of the calm and have all the anger. Attack them like a no, I think they attack them like a dead zombie. Escalate the anger of the person that you're running into, but it seems to me that that you would not want to do that. And the use of pepper spray to the martial arts. Yeah. Home Alive organized benefit concerts and released albums with the participation of many of Seattle's music elites, such as Nirvana, Fake Bono, Pearl Jam. <laughs> Fake Soundgarden, I don't Heart. Think, I don't think Fake Bono was there. I seen the Heart in concert, by the way. It was very good. They were very good. And in 1995, Joan Jett recorded an album with the supporting... I saw Joan Jett in concert, too. <laughs> she loves rock and roll. So put another dime in the jukebox, baby. Okay, let's go. All right. In 1995, Joan Jett recorded an album with the surviving members of the Gits called Evil Stig, Gits Live Backwards. And that, my friends, 
is the longest fucking podcast <laughs> I have ever been part of. If you even, I've been sitting here for three fucking hours. I don't know what happened in this son of a bitch. Some poor girl was a good singer, got you, killed. Some guy got knew, arrested for it. They got killed. We know when we started. Yeah. And then the motherfucker got 37 know, years. 37 years. Yeah. You didn't know nothing about this before we started, and now you know even less. <laughs> I said the wrong thing to a judge one time. I got more than 37 years. <laughs> Dominique. Yes. Your final thoughts on the murder of Mia Zapata. Well, I obviously it was a tragedy. I think violence against women is an epidemic in this country. And um, I am glad that some good came out of it in terms of teaching self-defense. Although... I think it's sad that we have to teach women self-defense in order to stay safe. I wish that we would teach men to uh, not assault women and kill women. And, Colonel, your final thoughts on the death. Now, how are, who in the fuck going to come out after that and say, oh, I'm pro-killing women? Ain't nobody for killing women except the men killing women. Everybody else against okay, it? Okay, we, we as a podcast oppose violence against women. We oppose violence against um, everybody but possums. Okay. And varmints under our deck. Um, okay. Uh, we would like to thank all of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash history tweets, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Or just a wee little bit, Timmy. And uh, Who are we going to thank, Colonel? Well, Timmy, first of all, we want to thank all these Patreon sponsors, and I see the list is pretty big, and after this fucking podcast today, I imagine it's going to shrink quite a bit, so next week will be easier. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, let's start with Angel, An- Angela, and I can't even get the people's name right. They're going to... Uh, I, you know what? I feel like Axl Rose and just kicking shit and walking off that. <laughs> God, motherfuckers just don't know how to do a podcast professionally. Am I the only one that knows how to do this shit around here? What? I mean, please, you're in a, you're, please. Angela and Daniel, mind your business. Let me do my shit here, <laughs> do you okay? you just say thank you, Patreon Thank you. Supporters? Angela and Daniel Bassett, Jim Moyer, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Shelly Garrett, Bridget Clavey, Brandy McBride and her little twin girls, Jennifer Savoda, Maggie Glover, Amber Anderson, Roseanne and Ben, the first couple of podcasting from They Walk Among Us. You need to check that one out. They just had an anniversary, so happy anniversary. Happy fifth anniversary to them. They're just releasing an episode tomorrow. Yeah, and they they, uh, ran a trailer for us, and we got all kind of downloads. So if you're coming to us from the Walk Among Us. Please skip this one and try another one. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, Ben and uh, Rosanna. We appreciate it. Yeah, but their their show is Walk Among Us, so give that one a listen if you like true crime. You like it. You like a short podcast. Well, it's not necessarily short. They just don't talk about fake bonos. It's well done, and it's. (laughs) Not it doesn't ramble. When they have a subject, they actually talk they about that subject. They don't eat fucking bananas during yeah. it. I can tell you that. You don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that. Yeah, I know. I don't know what. Ben is uh, has a much better voice than you. He's been he's been oh. named the top voice in podcasting. He has been named it. Well, yeah, yeah my by, by my goddamn wife. So I anyway, was, I was told by uh, a secret messenger that I have a very sexy voice. Yeah. Well, I was told by a secret messenger that they would like to see my enormous penis. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, back to Laura Violet, <laughs> Jim Seabright, Michael Deo, Kelly Charette, Karen Widener, 
the beautiful, I'll tell you who is just a beautiful girl and we don't give her enough credit for being beautiful is Callie. Yes. Joseph God Kerr, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, what? She was well, going to talk I, about her beauty. My, Mike Brown with Pleasing Terrors. Terrors. Yeah, Pleasing Terror podcast. It's excellent. Check it out. Sarah, my girl, Sarah Bloom, Amber Croup, and we got Joe Hopkins from the Now America podcast. Great podcast. Rebecca Omelette, Karen Alden, Cheryl, Catherine Cockerod Richardson, Fiona Crisp, Laura, haven't seen Fiona, check in with us, Fiona, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Donna Curran, Maja, of course, Aaron with an A, Kimberly Cameron, Elise, Diane from The History Goes Bump, have not seen her, Annette well, no, Petray. No, I've seen Diane, she's okay. Uh, History Goes Bump, it's a wonderful podcast. It is a great podcast. Lise, Amber Scoville, Jahara Lopes, Alicia and Chip, of course, uh, lovely and Don Chet, Jeff and Don Chestnut, and that podcast, podcast. Uh, called uh, Backroads of History. Yes, and Jeff does poetry too. Yes, poetry by Jeff. Uh, Andrea Happ, Karen Barnes, the lovely Karen Barnes, Andrea O'Dell, Rachel, our girl Rachel Flynn, Hollywood Wood, Shirley. We hope you, you, we hope you're listening and doing well, Shirley. Yeah, we miss you, Shirley. Come back to the page. Ty Long, Lydia Fisher, Tyrone, Phyllis Munson, Melissa Montoya. My name is Melissa Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Brittany Martin, Jennifer Siemens. We love Jennifer and Linda. Cindy Lou. <clears throat> How you doing, Cindy? Kristen Malachinsky, Heather Poole, Zachary Deloche. Of course, the lovely Christy Lee from Canadian True Crime, who avoided me the whole time I was up in Toronto, because um, we could have we could have gone and done a podcast, a joint podcast together. But <clears throat> every time I'd send her a PM, she said, "Oh yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't know about that. I'm kind of busy today. You know, I'm in the hospital getting yeah. my foot operated on and whatnot." Probably with the fake boner. <laughs> yeah. So she went. She went to the fake boner room. You <laughs> so, know what? Charlie I'm and so fucking sick of you too. <laughs> Let me make one thing perfectly clear. You guys are in your fifties. If you don't know much about fake boners yet, <laughs> you're gonna real soon. <laughs> so shut the fuck up. Just just sit. Just calm down. They just calm down. Take a breath. They do. Charlie and Allie, our girls from Insight. Great podcast. Sue Story. Oh, it is a great podcast. Um, John, Nene, Bridget Bernard. Stacy, Christine Hauer, Cheryl Weldon, and last, last on the list, but first in our hearts, Ruta Baker, the Wonder Dog. And of course, we have, we cannot do a show without mentioning these two ladies, the lovely and beautiful Lady Beverly over across the pond there. We're going to be pen pals. She's going to write me. I can't wait. I haven't I've got a letter. I got it, but I don't know how to fucking mail mail, and I can't get up there when the post office is open. I'm sorry. He doesn't know how to send mail internationally. I, I, I don't know anybody out of the package. Oh, know? I know how to send a package, oh, baby. You ain't got to worry about how the <laughs> colonel sends a package. I, the colonel can deliver a package like nobody been there, girl. They call him oh, the yeah. mailman. That's right. They call me the FedEx man. Because if you need the package and you need it on time, call the colonel. 
All right, give a shout out to my mom. I'm and gonna vomit. I can't. I, I got to do some kind of separation because I can't go into Dottie Scott after <laughs> okay, that. Okay, transitional music. Yeah. Uh, and let's. Uh, the person we do this show for, really, our number one fan, and really the our our, our uh, what focus group. All you right, know, all right, said, come on, come on, come on. I'll quit rushing your mother's shout out for fuck's sake. The woman gave birth to you. She carried you for eight and a half months. Because you were probably born early because you're that goddamn impatient. <laughs> so <laughs> She really likes Dominique. Oh. Yeah, she does. Yeah, well, you yeah. know what? She that. put on my page that she loved me today, yeah. so shut up. She'll be disappointed when we have to fire her. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to fire Dottie. No, Dominique. Oh, okay. Okay, I can live with that. But anyway, you know what? Dottie Scott. It's a appointment at will. We <laughs> We right love now, you, Dottie. We're not feeling it. Yeah, we're not feeling it. and you kind of been sexually harassing me, talking about my pants and my crotch area package. all the time on my package. Yeah, all I said let's was... be, not be so goddamn inappropriate, okay? Because you, because you be a little more professional. It's a professional podcast. She seemed to indicate that you couldn't, you were, you could not deliver the package. I know. Oh yeah, they call me, they call me I'm the mailman. In my eye. The mailman always rings for me. <laughs> yeah, the mailman always. Ding, Are you ding, done? Ding, ding, ding. I am done. I would, and Dominique's got some because, and, and on a more Just serious let, note, let Dominique say it. Dominique, I, you go ahead I with what you were going to do. If people uh, donated to Hiro's uh, GoFundMe campaign today before this atrocity of a recording. <laughs> That I would give a unique compliment to each donor, and I plan on doing that. So I will start with uh, Rachel Flynn. Um, we love your voice. You have a gorgeous voice. You are a beautiful singer. She's and, a beautiful uh, woman, too. Beautiful. beautiful I met her in person over here. Well, you met her in Indy. Beautiful eyes. Beautiful I wasn't girl. in Indy, you idiot. Oh, that's right. I know. Yeah, that's right. right. I forgot you were in the crowd. That's it. Fun. We, we didn't that's have, it. You're yeah. going to the home. You're going to the home. <laughs> no, I knew you wasn't in Indy. I was just fucking we, with you. It, we already have it reserved. <laughs> You're done. You don't even have a window. Oh. Nicola Reed. Uh, I uh, absolutely. Counselor? She's a fellow she, I, I, she is a fellow counselor. If She's I ever a go to attorney, court, I want so her. I want to say good luck to you in that regard. And also, I absolutely adore your adventurous spirit. Uh, Bridget Clavey, I love your posts on our page. It's very clear that you are very comfortable with yourself and who you are. And that is inspirational to many of us. Beautiful spirit. Sarah Bloom, uh, your dry wit. Absolutely adore it. I love Sarah. Allison Shields. Sarah's wonderful. Yeah. Allison Shields, you Sweet. are one of the most supportive people on our page. And um, I also love your new glasses. And I love that they're called Gogs. I had never heard that. Oh. Uh, Aaron Fowler, best memes ever. Um, Jeff Chestnut. And Aaron's very sweet, too. Aaron is very, very sweet. Yes. Uh, Jeff Chestnut. Smart. He's a doctor. Doesn't matter. He's got Don. He's got Don. That's all you need to say about Jeff. And And the beauty. And he's a wonderful podcaster. So when I said I will pay a compliment to each of you, what I meant was uh, the two idiots in the room will mansplain my compliments (laughs) to me. 
We're just contributing. Well, if you get them right the first goddamn time. We're just adding to them. We're not, we, we don't mean to take away from your compliments. We just want yeah. to compliment your compliments. Steve Miller. Great, Great band. Sense of love. Humor. Shut up. Like. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> you see, love. I swear to God, I'm going to Just kidding, both. Steve. We love you, Steve. Great sense of humor, and I loved your vanilla pudding joke. He would love that joke that I just did. I'm sure he's never heard a Steve Miller band joke <laughs> Especially Fly Like an Eagle. Whoever heard of that? Shelly Garrett. You... Is he the real Steve Miller or is he a yeah. fake Steve Miller? <laughs> when you're wondering why Brandy's office is covered in blood splatter, <laughs> just know that it's justified and I regret nothing. <laughs> Shelly Garrett. You absolutely have my heart. We had an exchange on Facebook and um, beautiful eyes. Beautiful eyes, yes. And also you. Now you know I'm gonna stop you there because every time somebody says something about, I said it on the last podcast, she is a beautiful woman. It's she's not a, her beautiful yeah. eyes. She she's a beautiful, a beautiful I, woman. I know. It's just her eyes are captivating. I'm sorry. Did you guys want to stop? Just stop. Well, God. I believe you shortchanging her ass when you do that. <laughs> Shelly Garrett. You absolutely She's have amazing. my heart. She is you have a fantastic butt there, Shelly. <sighs> I'm sure she does. I've never seen it. But I've never seen it either, but I'm assuming. Alicia Mincy. So I will say I am a big, big advocate of people learning how to swim, as is she. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about her. And also I totally appreciate her opinion on people who can relax in jeans I find them to be as disgusting as you do. Jeans? Uh, yes. What's wrong with you? Uh-huh. Oh, Callie up. Jones. Unbelievably Callie. gorgeous. Yes. I adore Callie. And she I is a classic is, Irish beauty. She is just Red hair, green gorgeous. eyes. But more than that, uh, she's, a, she's the quickest wit on that page, I think. Okay. She's just sharpening her fucking razor. Sharper than a razor. But honest to God, if you don't stop interrupting me. Oh, I thought you wanted my help. I don't want your help. You're not helping. If I wanted help, I would ask for help. You're not helping. Katja Christian. You kind of look like it. Katja, the lovely Katja. What you look like to me and sound like to me is a giraffe in deep water flailing around. That's what it (laughs) seems to me. Have you ever been to Denmark, Copenhagen? No, I haven't been to Denmark. Okay. I'm not a giraffe flailing around. <laughs> okay. I fucking hate both of you. Our, <laughs> no, Kasha is from, she's from I, Copenhagen. I, I know. Yeah. I, you'll never believe this, but I know. Yeah. Beautiful city, and she's a beautiful person. She, that's true. She but cats. my my, my personal uh, compliment was, I was going to say that she is very quiet, but she is quietly active on the page and one thing i adore about her is i can tell that she is she she catches everything you can just tell she's also a model she is a model yeah. and she she looked beautiful that day she was modeling yeah she looked beautiful all the time. jen wicks uh you bring so much sordid joy to the group what could you even say about her she's just yes jen she's just a, a doll sweetheart Jeff Chestnut, uh, my, I was going to say you. I love your awesome uh, podcast, Backroads of History, in addition to the other um, compliments you've received. 
Um, let's see. Who else do I have here? Um, let's see. The only two people left on my list are Chuck Walters and Tom Tim Scott. Tom Scott. Tom Scott. The fake Tim Scott. <laughs> yeah, the fake Tim Scott. <laughs> and uh, you two are the biggest jackasses I've ever met. Look here, motherfucker! Life. I donated my money. I want my goddamn compliment. <laughs> okay, here's your compliment. Um, you have somehow lived to 53, mm. having the largest group of people who wants to kill you out of anyone in this entire planet. She was going to say the largest penis there for a minute. Oh, oh God. I don't know anything about his penis. The, I don't... the last time we had, this is a true story, because we watch uh, the Gallagher's. We watch... Uh, Absolutely shameless. Shameless. It's, it's, and, and the last time... We had a family gathering, and like Frank, I did actually say, okay, everybody who has wanted me dead at one time or another, raise your goddamn hands. Everybody in the damn house, raise their hands. Well, that's not surprising. Okay. That's true. So, yeah, we really appreciate all of you giving to High We Rose. do. Um, yeah. The Fund for High Rose Family, like you said, he's, he left a wife and a small child, and anything that you can give would be greatly appreciated. Please go to the History Dreams page on Facebook or uh, History Dreams, the podcast group, where um, you'll get the links to um, the GoFundMe page that Dominique so nicely set up so that uh, we can get that money to his his uh, widow. And we um, there is a another campaign that his family set up, and we are in contact with people. Yeah, we're um, working together. With them. So yeah. you, if you donate to our group, our group, as as a group we'll give that money and, and, and uh, i mean we joke family. we joke around and stuff but it, it i think it hit everyone all of us pretty hard yes and absolutely i even cried and i never cry but i i just couldn't help myself yesterday he's a good guy yeah he was he was a he was just a joyful yeah, person always laughing just joyful and always, and always, and always um you know i don't know how he was outside outside the page in his life other than the videos he showed but he just always seemed to be wherever he was he seemed to be happy where he was at yeah he was. you know that's what and i was i was lucky because he reached out to me for some reason when we first started, when he first started listening and we kind of become facebook buddies and uh he's just uh, we did not you know we did not become real real friends but he would every three or four days just shoot me a random just a random, really funny remark, not even a meme or something, just a re really kind of funny, amusing comment. Um, yeah. And uh, and just two days ago, he just put on my page, you know, gracias yeah. for for something. And yeah, I, I told him. I never, we never spoke, but I, I also, I cried a fair amount yesterday just thinking about his wife and daughter, and it, yeah, it really is a tragedy. Tried. So, yeah. uh, any help? We can give, you know, I think a lot of us have found that this group uh, um, really has supported us in a lot of different ways in uh, in our times of need, whether it's emotional or, you know, just kind words. I know my siblings and I got a lot of support when my mom died. And uh, anyway, thank you all for anything you can give. And um, our hearts go out to his family. Absolutely. All right, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Bye, everyone. Good day. Oh, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 